Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Two topics on this week's show. Once more, we fly into controversy regarding that Mi'kmaq flag. We hear from noted Mi'kmaq historian Daniel Paul on the origins of the red and white banner and why we need a new one. But first, a new institution for Western Newfoundland, the People of the Dawn Friendship Centre. After nearly two years of development by the Bay St. George Cultural Circle, the agency has been registered as an Indigenous Friendship Centre. The main location will be in St. George's with a second in Stephenville. Like the more than 100 friendship centers, it will be open to all, Aboriginal people with or without status cards, and the general public. The executive director is Patrick Park Tai, a resident of Piccadilly on the port of port Peninsula. He's worked for a number of community agencies, including the John Howard Society, on matters such as drug strategy, crime prevention, and with young offenders. I asked Patrick Park Tai about the vision for the friendship center and what it will be offering visitors. So, Patrick, let's uh, try and transport ourselves uh, ahead two or three years from now and imagine uh, people are coming into the Friendship Centre in in St. George's or Stephenville. What will they see in terms of staff, programs, activities, and participants? I'd I'd say uh, what they're going to be welcomed with is um, a place that's that's vibrant, uh, that's welcoming, um, and it's hopefully going to be a mix of um, activity, but I think also some some times when we can have some you know quieter, more uh, I guess reflective moments. Um, you know, for ourselves, we're we're just starting off right now with uh, you know only a couple of positions. You know, my myself and and Paul Pike uh, looking after programming, but I'd certainly like to see you know, more individuals from our from our area. We've got some, you know, very talented people with uh, a lot of experience and um, practical skills that I'd love to bring in uh, to, to staff some new programs. I, I expect, um, I, I guess I would say comprehensive would be the best way to put it. Um, you know, we've got a mandate to provide programming, you know, around education, employment, housing, health. Um, I'd certainly like to see things in place for all of those. And of course, you know, I'd like to see the the cultural component, um, you know, gatherings and, and celebrations uh, in in full swing as well. So, so, in terms of staff, you mentioned uh, Paul Pike has also been a hire. So the there are the two of you. Yes. Do you have a sense of what will be the full staff complement when you're completely up and running? You know what, the the sky's the limit. I mean, it it really you know, will be shaped, I guess, by, by the community, um, you know, the needs that are uh, identified and, and obviously the funding. Um, if I could get as many people as possible, you know, in there working, I'd love to. Um, you know, realistically, we'll, we'll have some space, you know, constraints. Um, but in a year or two or, or three years, you know, half a dozen, a dozen, um, you know, maybe that's modest right now. We'll, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Now, you will be the 119th Friendship Center in Canada, according to the Friendship Center's uh, website. 
and I understand you will receive core funding from the federal government because you are a friendship center. Right. Do you know how much of the budget that we'll look after and how much of the funding you'll have to get from other sources? Well, the understanding I have right now is that your your core funding is is essentially to get you up and operational. So it, at this point, um, you know we've, I mean literally today we're just we're just trying to get phone lines in place and and you know some internet and and those basic things. Um, but that initial funding is is again operational costs, you know, so we can have lights on and, and the heat be paid. Um, it's going to cover you know salaries, you know, the, the basic level right now. But to go beyond that, to get into you know the the types of services and supports people are looking for, it's incumbent on us to to go out and and find those sources. So you will have a location in St. George's in the former United Church and. Yep. A location in Stephenville. Um, will what will be the sort of uh, the relationship between the two locations? Um, will the uh, will you have separate programming at one uh, as opposed to the other? Or what will be the relationship? Well, it's it's something that we're we've given a lot of consideration. Now, of course, the whole process began in St. George's with um, you know the the United Church um, facility that they've had since I guess 2008, and that's really the heart of you know the friendship move uh, the friendship center you know as far as we're concerned. So that's that's our primary focus. The other part of that is, of course, it's it's an amazing um, location. I mean the as a place to to come in and and bring you know you know fifty to a hundred people um it's ideal i mean it's got a a lot of space in there um it's got kitchen facilities so it's ideal for those those large um group settings now the satellite office in in Stephenville we don't have the same uh expansive space. Um, it would certainly be a more intimate setting that, you know, if we were running, you know, small groups or individual programming, it would be ideal for that. Um, the other idea with the with the satellite uh, location in Stephenville is, is also convenience and access for people. Um, you know, St. George's can be a little bit of a stretch for, for some folks, depending on their, their transportation. Um, so Stephenville being more of a central location, you know, we'd like to have that available to people as well. Yes. So hopefully, um, you know, they'll really complement each other. That's that's the goal. Mm-hmm. The, the website for the Friendship Centers describes the, the Friendship Centers as being directed towards the needs of urban aboriginals. Uh, St. George's, uh, of course, is not, uh, is not an, uh, an urban uh, location. Do you think uh, the people of the Dawn Friendship Center will be somewhat different from the others because of your of where you are geographically? I'd I'd say that I hope it is, um, and that's that's one of the things that you know I, I find very attractive about the the Friendship Center movement is yes they have an overarching uh, mandate to serve you know what they they speak about um, uh, rural indigenous people moving into urban settings and and serving them in that way but if you look at you know the the national spectrum of of centers they've all got a unique flavor they've all got um, their own identity and we're not going to be any different Um, you know we'll be taking a look at um, you know where we are with with Stephenville and 
the Port of Port Peninsula and, and you know, Stephenville Crossing. Um, and we're going to let that determine what we are. I mean, the, the end of the day, it's, it's about giving people the services they need and supporting the, the culture that they need. We can anticipate that there will be some who will say it should be in Cornerbrook because Cornerbrook has Grenfell College, it has the regional hospital, it has more of a population base. Um, so anticipating that those comments will be made, what would you say in response? You know what, it was when I, when I was first, you know, uh, contemplating, uh, you know, this position in, in the Friendship Center and, and the fact that it was going to be based in, in Bay St. George, um, I guess my first thought was, you know, we've got another organization moving into an area um, that's, that's already got a number of, of resources on the go. Um, so it, it gave me a little bit of pause, but the thing about the friendship centers is that they're unique and that they are um, status blind. So we're open to indigenous and non-indigenous people, status and non-status, uh, First Nations, Inuit, Métis. So it's a it's a different thing, um, you know. As far as as not being located by a larger center, um, you know, there there could be arguments made for that. I'm I'm not gonna you know debate that necessarily one way or the other. But I would say that to have a location in Stephenville and uh, in St. George's doesn't preclude us, you know, offering services to to Cornerbrook. I mean, we are the only friendship center at the moment on the West Coast. So, um, you know, as far as, as our resources will take us, that's, that's as far as our reach will go. And obviously our, our doors are open to anyone if, if you know, they, they care to visit us. Yeah. So you, uh, you have a, a rich background in, in working in the community and community services and one that you've worked in one of the areas in, in which you've worked is in uh, drug strategy and addiction services and and Paul Pike who's the other employee as well as being a well-known and accomplished musician has also worked in the addictions field yeah, uh, so that's how we have a we have um, capacity there in the two of you uh, what um, do you expect to be offering services uh, addiction services and what are you hearing in your area, from your area, about the need for those services? Well, the, the center itself has been, you know, kind of in the works for la at least the last 18 to 18 months to maybe maybe two years. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in on that, uh, that part of the process, but I know going forward um, that the issue of uh, substance abuse in the Bay St. Uh, George area was on everybody's minds, and it was on everyone's minds because, unfortunately, it's it's something that's been acknowledged in the media now. Um, I know the Bay St. George Cultural Circle was approached by some communities saying, you know what, this is what we're wrestling with in our communities right now in terms of addiction and, and related crime. You know, we need some sort of help. We need some sort of uh, leadership here. So going forward, is, is that going to be an area that we intend to give some attention to? Uh, I would say that's very likely. Um, in terms of, you know, direct uh, addiction services, there's a lot of resources in the community right now. And I think we will be very careful where we um, apply ourselves. 
Um, I think there's a lot of work that can be done in terms of prevention and, and harm reduction um, so that treatment isn't something that necessarily we have to look at directly. But there is a, uh, there's a wide spectrum to the, to the substance uh, uh, abuse, you know, issue happening in the community right now. So, you know, we might be looking at, at younger people. Um, you know, we might be looking at what's going on in schools. It's, it's, it is definitely something that we'll be giving some focus to. No, of course you've been uh, you've been on the job for uh, only a week now. So, uh, and you're you're doing the basics like getting getting the phones hooked up. What uh, what are how will things unfold over the next little while? What do you have to do um, before you are completely uh, up and running? And when do you think you'll be uh, at that stage of uh, in operation and able to greet people? Well, if if things fall in place as as I'm hoping they will, uh, you know, most of that behind the scenes, you know, the logistics and the administra administrative pieces will be done, you know, in the next few weeks. Um, if I had to point to a time, I'd I'd say, you know, beginning of September is when we really want to sort of throw open the doors wide and and begin to uh, welcome people in. And our first thing, first steps, I guess, would be around community engagement. Um, you know, I don't think it's helpful for, you know, as much as Paul and I have some some pretty wide-ranging experience, I think it would be a little bit arrogant for us to assume that we know exactly what the community needs um, and then jump into trying to deliver that. Uh, I don't think there's anything really worse than, you know, offering people an answer to a question they never asked. So community engagement is going to be key to us. Um, you know, we're going to be inviting people to the center in, in St. George's. We're going to be inviting people into the offices in Stephenville. Um, and then hopefully getting ourselves out to communities that, uh, you know, can't make it to us. And we'll see what people have to say. Great, Patrick. Well, um, all the best. And uh, thanks for talking to us. Thank you for the time, and uh, hopefully in, uh, in a few months we'll, we'll have some more to tell you about the story. Patrick Park Tai, Executive Director of the new People of the Dawn Friendship Center. Recently, we aired an item about the Mi'kmaq Grand Council flag, which flies in front of Halipu headquarters in Cornerbrook and many other locations. More and more, it's being flown by Mi'kmaq people in Newfoundland, in part as a way of connecting us to the rest of Mi'kma'ki. Probably you've seen it. Red moon and star on a white background. But the dominant element is the T formation. I asked John Cremo, a captain of the Mi'kmaq Grand Council, if that was meant to be the Christian cross. No, he told me, that's meant to symbolize the four directions. Some listeners were skeptical about that reading, so in a nod to historical accuracy, we reached out to the Dean of Mi'kmaq Historians in Nova Scotia, Elder Daniel Paul, perhaps best known as the author of the book We Were Not the Savages, a Mi'kmaq Perspective on the Collision Between European and Native American Civilizations. I asked Elder Paul for his assessment of the origins of the flag and whether it's a fitting symbol for the Mi'kmaq people. It's a European creation. It's nothing to do with the Mi'kmaq. The Mi'kmaq never had that kind of stuff before the Europeans come here, so tied in with the Catholic Church. Do you think we there is a need for a 
for a new flag, something that is perhaps more contemporary and that uh, resonates with all all of Mi'kmaq people in Mi'kmaq. I think there is. If we're going to claim to be a nation, then we should have something created by ourselves, not by uh, uh, the people who came and invaded our land and uh, imposed their religion upon our people. And uh, to me, uh, uh, that's colonialism. It's uh, uh, embracing colonialism, for that matter. And how would we go about... uh coming up with uh, with a new flag how do we get uh, do we strike a committee do is who would be uh, given the responsibility of uh, coming up with uh, designs and getting getting consensus from people about uh, whether or not that was an appropriate flag well I don't know it would be up to uh, the younger people to make that decision uh, I know it takes a long time for uh, people we get together and come to a, a comprehensive decision about something, but uh, look at Canada itself. It was, uh, what our, the, the Canadian flag is only, what, about uh, 40, 50 years old? Yes. Not, not before that, they uh, flew a colonial flag, uh, the British flag. But uh, it's up to our people somewhere along the line to begin to review the past and say, do we want to hold on to what the Europeans imposed upon us or do we want to uh, be a a nation of people who uh, do their own thing? And uh, what we had here before the invasion of Europeans is, uh, and I know there was no such thing as a flag uh, at that point in time uh, for the Mi'kmaq, but uh, now that you see the world over, everybody's flying their own flag. Uh, I would imagine that uh, we, as a people, should be doing the same. Do you have any uh, anything in your mind about the the sort of thing that, or sort of things that might be represented in in a new flag? I don't know. Our people had a long history of hunting and fishing and what have you. Maybe a the field showing overlooking uh, the Atlantic Ocean with a moose in it or something like that. Elder Daniel Paul. And that's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Celebration time used with permission of Enigma artist Marcus Goss. Follow us on Twitter, listen on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, or catch us on Bay of Islands Radio, boir.ca, 6 p.m. on Thursday. And check out our new Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.